it's Danny from the Last Cash, joined as always by Pete down in Texas. And we are diving into one of our favorite things to do, which is unpack David Weiner documentaries. Uh, in Search of Darkness, part three, just hit shutter. We are going to be covering that documentary in full on this channel very, very soon. But until then, and maybe even after then, we're going to be finding movies that we haven't seen or that we might have seen a while ago and we're rechecking out. Rechecking out. Okay. And <laughs> we're going to be reviewing some of those kind of more obscure 80s horror movies. The first one on that list is maybe one of the weirdest, most bizarre, most insane body horror, tentacle horror psychological torture movies that I've ever seen. Uh, it's Possession from 1981, directed yes. by, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Andrzej Zalowski from Poland, starring Isabella Johnny and Sam Neill. This is a global production, Polish director, New Zealand lead actor, French lead actress, set, of course, in Germany. Uh, it, or actually uh, on the border of West and East Germany, because 81, we still had a divided Germany. So, yes. Pete, what did you think of Possession? And uh, when are we each getting divorces? Because this movie obviously is uh, driving married couples absolutely insane. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I truly thoroughly loved this movie and um i would say that the main reason why i loved it so much is because it captures that crazed feeling that you can have in a relationship now this is probably going to be a little too revealing of me but i've absolutely had horrible fights in relationships in my life you know i've had crazy dramatic scenes with girlfriends with my wife and um you can get to a point where you literally feel like you are losing your mind when you are fighting with someone that you love. And this movie, I don't think I've ever seen anything show that mania so much and like so intensely, you know, and so authentically. You know, you mentioned the director. I'm going to take a stab at his name too. Andres Zawalski. Um, he actually was going through a divorce when he made this film. Yeah. So I, I feel like, I mean, one other thing I, when I was doing the research, I found out that the, you know, lead Isabella Ajani, that she took years to recover from making this movie. And that oh, she, go ahead. how can you not? I mean, yeah. her performance, like her and Sam Neill are just manic. Yeah. I, I can't even think of a, a word to describe their performances. It is they they look insane. Yes. And it, it doesn't feel like you're watching actors act. It feels like you're watching real people go completely insane to yep. the point where, like, you almost want to ask the director, like, were you pushing these people a little bit too far here? Like, right. were you asking a little too much of them? And it was 1981. You know, it was a totally different time period. And, like, you know, we know just a year later after this movie, The Shining came out. And all the stories that have come out about uh, Stanley Kubrick 
and Shelly Duvall. Now, I'm not accusing Andre Zalowski of, of any of that abusive behavior, but it certainly feels like these actors were pushed to a breaking point in this yes. movie. Like, it, just the, the look in their eyes is frightening at times in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, really well put. Um, Sam Neill is even quoted saying that um, he, he was lucky that he was able to get through this movie with his sanity barely intact, right? He's um, also said that this is his favorite movie that he's ever worked on, so... Interesting, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, with Sam Neill, that, that's quite a thing to say because, I mean, he's in, in The Mouth of Madness, he's in Event Horizon, and I'm sure there's tons of other roles where he's like a Looney Tunes, you know? But in this movie, it's... I mean, really the standout for the movie is his wife, though, uh, Isabel Ajami. And when, you know... so Okay, let's just do a little background on this movie, too. My first time I've seen this movie was when it came on Shudder, and that was like maybe like a month ago or maybe a little over a month ago. And before that, sometimes people would put little pictures of it up on Twitter. They'd reference it. They'd be like little gifts. And often they would just show her like crazed face, right? And, and one scene that is like a meme unto itself is when she's just going crazy in the subway, right? Have you ever seen Which anything Which I'm, I'm like pretty that? sure, correct me if I'm wrong. I just finished watching it last night. Again, I had watched this probably maybe three, four years ago for the first time. Yeah. I, I rewatched it last night. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's all done in one elongated take. Yeah, it sure looks so like So I it, can't yeah. even imagine, like, I am I am hoping and praying for her sake they got that done in one take. Yes. Because, my God. And I'll yes. tell you, the unspoken star of this movie is her blue dress that somehow makes it through the whole goddamn movie. Uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Go back. Yeah, you're introducing the movie. No, just like this movie obviously has a cult following. People knew about this movie before it was on Shudder. People were wanting it to get the recognition that it deserved. And, um, you know, it wasn't a hit or anything like that when it came out. Um, Zulowski, he has sort of an interesting past. His second movie that he ever made was called The Devil, and that was banned in Poland, which is the country that he's from. Then uh, he moved to France for a time, then he moved back to Poland, and he worked on another movie called On the Silver Globe, and that was destroyed by the authorities, that movie. So, like, he's obviously had difficulty getting his vision out there, getting his movies out there. And this movie, it's set in West Berlin. There's many shots of, like, the Berlin Wall itself yeah. and, like, guards. So you could think that just, like, making this movie they must have all felt like renegades, you know, just, it's like, it's got that. You, you can feel it. It feels raw and dangerous for a movie. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's just, there's, I, I don't even like, it, it, there's, I watched a few YouTube videos like of like possession explained because okay. This is the type of movie where the movie's going to end and you're just going to stare into the, the void for minutes at a time thinking, what the fuck did I just watch? Right. And, you know, obviously, the, the, the one thing that is very obvious is this is a movie about a breakup and, and what that does to the people involved, especially if there's a child involved and, and what that does... And one of the videos that I watched talked about 
the idea of like doppelgangers and how they, how when you move on, when you're ready to move on from a relationship or you're, you know, you're struggling with the breakup, very often you look for people who are very similar looking or very similar acting to the people you're with. So of course you have the, the, the teacher who is played by Isabella Johnny, uh, just with a different colored hair and different contact lenses. And then you have, of course, the, you know, spoiler alert for a movie that came out in 1981. You have the, uh, the creature, the, 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 the thing that spawns from the creature is basically a doppelganger of Mark, Sam Neill. Right. And, and the final scene of the movie is the teacher being like stalked outside her door by the doppelganger as if like this relationship is doomed to continue on forever and ever, even if the principal characters are dead. Yeah. And it's such a fascinating movie to, to break down and to, and to watch. I, I think Isabella Johnny's performance in this movie is probably the best acted horror part by a woman that I've ever seen. Yeah. Up until 20, uh, 2018 when uh, Hereditary came out and Tony Collette. Yeah. Like Tony Collette is my go-to. This is the best acting I've ever seen in a horror movie. But, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter the other day, which apparently is not working right now, but no. I saw somebody on Twitter the other day said like, we should be able to go back in time and retroactively give people Oscars. And, Isabella Johnny um, deserved it for this movie. I mean, there are so many parts of this movie where she's not even talking. She's just rant, like raving or just moving frenetically. And you're just like, oh my God, what is she doing? Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine like if somebody was in the subway watching... And, and then there are these bizarre moments of, yes. like, homoeroticism of Heinrich, who is one of the most amazing supporting characters in a movie, with <laughs> his, like, weird karate and his homoerotic massaging and caressing of uh, Sam Neill's character, Mark. Right. And, and the way he acts when he shows up at the... Uh, to the apartment at the end and he's like, Oh, I, I can't take this. And you're like, like what is happening here? Yeah. Well, well, here's the deal, right? It seems like almost every episode you always have to reference Tony Collette in hereditary. <laughs> right. And then I've gotten in this new trend where I always have to reference David Lynch. And um, I feel like with this movie, there's two things that I think people can just sort of say, and it's like, Oh, well I I'm getting the reference. I'm going to say David Lynch. And I'm going to say Lovecraft, right? And I don't think they're wrong to reference those two things when talking about this movie. But I feel like it's a thing unto itself. Like with David Lynch, um, I thought about him a lot when I watched this movie because people do very random things and they do unexpected things, you know? And it's not like, oh, well, they're doing unexpected things because they're possessed by a ghost or, or because they're an alien is inside of them. It's just... Yeah. David Lynch stuff has people that are in normal settings and they just do random things. You're like, what the like Margit, the friend who is just she shows up for two scenes and she's got like a cast on her foot and she's 
disrobing Sam Neill in public, and you're right. like, what? What is going on? Right. Like, there's so many moments in this movie where that I don't know if Zalowski was intending moments to be funny, like to be laughed at, or to be like almost laughed at in like a, I don't really feel comfortable with what's going on. And so all I'm going to be able to do is laugh kind of moment. Like yeah. right before Isabella Johnny goes crazy in the train station, there's this scene where she gets on a train and this guy sitting next to her just reaches into her grocery bag and grabs a banana. And you're like, what is happening? Right, right. And like, I couldn't help but start laughing at that moment. And I didn't know if my laughter was like inappropriate for something that I was missing. Right. Or, and I'll tell you what it reminded me of. You're saying David Lynch, and I, I can totally see that in, in the limited David Lynch that I've seen. Like, I, I've seen Blue Velvet, okay? This movie had some definite like Blue Velvet ish moments. Sure. But, the way I felt with like the uncomfortable laughter, I'm bringing up um, Hereditary a lot. Ari Aster's film Midsummer. There are so many moments in that movie that I did not know how to react, and I just started laughing. Like moments that are genuinely like horrifying to describe. Right. But when the old couple falls off, they walk off the cliff and land face first. I, I don't know why I started laughing. Oh my god! Uh, when when the the women when when the the boyfriend is drugged, Christian is drugged, and he's having sex with the woman, and all the women are screaming around. I was I was laughing because I didn't know how to act. Right, I, right. Because you've never seen moments like that in a movie, so your 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 mind and your body don't know how to react. Right. And that's how I felt throughout most of this movie. Like, there's at least five separate times where I was like, <laughs> what the, like, what is happening? Right, right. And it's interesting because it makes you wonder what is in the actual script, right? Yeah. Because with David Lynch, for instance, with him, there are times when he'll see some kind of random thing and he'll just incorporate it into the movie and it has nothing to do with the script or anything like that, but he just is inspired. Like, I think one of the key examples is the character of Bob who was such a huge influence on the David on, on um, the Twin Peaks mythology, right? There's this evil character of Bob. The, the reason why Bob is even in fucking Twin Peaks is because this guy who was working on the set, who is the actor that plays Bob, David Lynch saw him in a bedroom and he's like, oh, that looks really creepy. You know, let's use that. And he told the guy to pose a certain way and then that became Bob. And like, I wonder how much of this movie, like Margie's cast, you know, or like the guy eating the banana, all this random weird shit is just like on the moment, you know, spur of the moment kind of filmmaking, you know, there's definitely, when you watch this movie, it feels like, it feels like, um, uh, improv. Like, you know, when someone goes to an improv place and they just, people just start acting loony and weird, you know, like they have these fights and, and all of a sudden she's acting all loving and normal. And then two minutes later, she's shrieking, you know, or like, Sam Neill just takes the electric knife and just starts cutting his arm just randomly. There's all these just random moments that you're not expecting in this. Yeah, like he comes home and the teacher shows up and he's like, can you finish bathing my child? Yes, and he just yeah. walks away and the teacher's just like, oh, sure, I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
like there's so many things like that throughout this movie where you're you and I again it, I guess it's the internationalness of the of the cast and crew you know there's nothing American about this movie nothing feel especially as like American viewers nothing feels normal watching this no yeah no. And, and like, I mean go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to shout like we you mentioned Sam Neill like Sam Neill is Sam Neill for me is one of those secretly great horror actors. Like nobody really, like I think if most people, if you if you took your average person off the street and showed them a picture of Sam Neill and was like, where do you know this guy from? They'd say Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, yeah. Yeah, especially now that Dominion came out and he's back in the Jurassic Park movie. They'd be like, oh yeah, Jurassic Park. Why? Has he done anything else? And meanwhile, it's like Possession. He was in the Omen 3, Final Conflict. He was in In the Mouth of Madness. He was in Event Horizon. Like, even Jurassic Park, the first one, has horror elements in it. He has a very quiet horror resume that is up there with, and, and considering, like, the talent level of him as an actor, like, he's kind of like a prestige actor. A lot of people would probably look at him as a, you know, a prestige actor. And I kind of attribute him to... Um. Oh God, his name is Patrick Wilson. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Who again? Like a lot of people, I I think of Patrick Wilson, and you know he was in this. Kate Winslet was nominated for an Oscar. Little I think this movie, Little Children, and he plays it. You know, but he's in the Hard. Insidious movies. He's in the Conjuring movies. He's in Hard, Hard Candy. Candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Watchmen. Watchmen. You know, and it's like Patrick Wilson, you you might look at him and you might think, oh, this is a really good actor who can do any kind of role, but he's a horror actor. And and Sam Neill has kind of quietly built that resume over his career. And and when he does horror, he goes all in. Oh, like, yes. Between this, Event Horizon, and In the Mouth of Madness, those are three just balls to the wall crazy performances and it's just he's so good in this movie everybody's so good but like you said it's there's this feeling of improv to everything like the way every movement that Heinrich makes as a character I feel like Zalowski was just like more yeah yeah yeah, more. yeah. like he does this move when they're fighting in front of his mother, mind you, he does this like deep bow before he does a front kick that again, I openly laughed at, but yeah. not because like, just because I, it, that's not how people move. It's just this like wacko sentiment of like these, these people in this movie are just so out in the ether of like humanity. It, it's baffling to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the acting alone, it would make for like a really disturbing play if you watched it. Like, you'd feel uncomfortable sitting in the audience, right? But besides that, the cinematography for this movie is so great. And then, like, the actual, like, stunt work and physical work that's done in this movie. Like, there's a sequence in the very beginning where Sam Neill confronts, uh, you know, his wife. When Mark confronts Anna and they get into a fight in a restaurant. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, 
flipping out and throwing chairs and you feel that tension you feel like oh if i was there i'd be like so stressed out and scared in that moment um but it's just like he goes all into it, just throwing the chairs, just lunging for her. I mean, he, he's like smacking her in the face at certain points. Uh, there's another part. This part kind of blew my mind watching this. But there's this extended sequence where Sam Neill steals Heimrich's motorcycle and is just driving through West Berlin on this motorcycle. You know, it's it's clearly Sam Neill. It's not a stuntman. It's not like over his shoulder. I... The cab- Go ahead. I, I was gonna say, I if you didn't say it, I was gonna say it because that that scene, the way it's shot, where it's like the camera is either behind the motorcycle, following at full speed, or right. it's in front of the motorcycle, and you could tell that like the camera is on like a car or in a truck that's driving, and Sam Neill is driving the motorcycle at the truck, and it's clearly him. And then he there's this stunt where he flies off the motorcycle. And it looks like Sam Neill. Like there are there are special effects in movies where you're like, wow, that's a bad stuntman. And yeah. I don't mean I don't mean like the stunt. Like it's just the stuntman doesn't look like the actor. Right. Like Bruce Willis is notorious for that in the Die Hard movies, where it's like you'll go from up close to a long shot, and suddenly the guy has a full head of hair, and you're like, <laughs> mm, okay, that's not that's not Bruce Willis. This guy looked like Sam Neill. So either yeah. Sam Neill took a header off a motorcycle <laughs> or, uh, and again, maybe he did. You know, the 80s were a different era in terms of like, you know, what acting was and what directors expected out of actors. You know, it wasn't, I don't mean to say it like this, but it wasn't the the more sensitive time we live in now where it's like, oh, the director asked me to do a dangerous stunt and I... Uh, you know, I, I put him on blast on social media. It was just like, oh, you know, I got cast in this role. The director wants me to drive a motorcycle and then fly off of it head first. So I guess I have to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, and that's not the only crazy stunt. There's a sequence towards the end where Sam Neill's like going up to this house and he sees police there and he tells them, he's like, or he, he gets into a cab and says, Go full speed into that cop car. Right? I love the get the the cab. He's just like, you got it. <laughs> that that is extremely David Lynch. That right there, and then he just like jumps out of the car, and then it crashes into. It's just so crazy. And and at the very end of the film, when they die, because we've already kind of talked about them dying, there's this this like part where they're shot on this staircase, and you know he jumps off the staircase at one point too. It's just this crazy violence in this movie. And it's so like, this movie's done it all, man. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's also, it's one of those movies where if like, we're, if you start the movie and the movie within the first 10 minutes has that amazing fight sequence at the restaurant where a husband is like throwing chairs because he finds out that his wife has been having a like year long affair Right. You know, also, he's he's like an international spy. He comes <laughs> home and he's like, honey, I haven't been home in a long time. And she's like, oh, great. You're home. Can you leave again? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's that, like, marital tension and, like, talk of divorce. And there's a kid involved. And if I said to you, the movie is going to end. And towards the end of the movie, you have, you know, full on tentacle monster sex. 
an explosion in an apartment and a shootout with the cops that leads to, you know, people flying off the top of the staircase, you'd be like, wait, what movie did this become midway through? But it's, that's, it's part of the charm, I guess, of what makes this such a, a a bizarro movie year years ago, I was at um, New Jersey horror con and film festival. And I found somebody selling like a bootleg DVD and I had never seen it. And I was like, all right, well, I have to get this. And so the first time I watched this was like on a bootleg DVD, probably in like 2017. And I was like, holy shit. Now I know why I can't find a copy of it. Now I know why it's not streaming because who the fuck is going to stream this movie? (sighs) And I, I don't know if you, if you mentioned it earlier, but like, when you go on Shutter and put this on, it's like a 4K restored copy of it. So it's like the best version that I've ever seen of no. this movie. Uh, and they do a good job of covering it in In Search of Darkness, too. They give this movie like a lot of time in 1981. No. Uh, you know, this is one of the more, I, as weird as this might sound, this is one of the more uh, popular film choices in In Search of Darkness 3 because there are so many. Oh, hello. There are so many deep cuts and like foreign movies. You know, like you always talk about how like I've seen so many things. There were so many movies in In Search of Darkness 3 that I had never seen. Oh, there's a tale. Or had even heard of. Yeah. Oh, don't knock the camera over. What are you doing? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I was happy to see this on there. Because, you know, everyone talks about this movie, at least in, like, the horror film Twitter area, right? But the thing is, is that, like, a lot of times they always mention the tentacle stuff. And they mention, like, they say it's kind of, like, Lovecraftian. And um, I saw people compare this movie to Eraserhead and to um, the, Bro- the Brood, right? That's the Cronenberg movie. Lynch I, I, and Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, Lynch and Cronenberg, right. And, and, and that would they would have been an influence on this director in that time, right? So I think that uh, maybe Cronenberg is a better person to compare uh, to than Lovecraft for this. Like, I, know, I understand there's tentacles on this creature, but I don't think of it as like it's this cosmic creature from outer space. It's it's just, it's it's a metaphor. Yeah, you know? it's... It, it... <laughs> That's the best way to put it. It's like, because it's just there. Yeah. There's zero explanation. Right. Like characters don't even like find it on purpose. They like accidentally stumble onto it. Right. But Oh, by the way, I want to make, before I forget, the worst private detective in the history of movies. (laughs) This movie has the funniest and worst. Like when you're a private detective, you're not supposed to like, chase down the person that you're going after yeah yeah literally next to them as the only two people on the street (laughs) yeah and then like that private detective like he finds the tentacle monster by accident his boyfriend or husband or whatever who who shows up he finds it by accident Sam Neill even finds it by accident. It's like there's no explanation for it existing. It is like you said, it's just a metaphor for like the 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 craziness that they're all going through. Yes, yes. Um I think I don't know if we mentioned this but 
the scene in the subway that everyone always refers to, uh, we talked about it, but like the idea is that she had a miscarriage when she was losing her mind. And so I, I personally think the creature is sort of like the metaphor for like the loss, this, this sort of depression that she has over the, this miscarriage. And, um, you know, it, it would be like the equivalent of like going to someone's house and just seeing that it's incredibly messy or it's in this crazy state of disarray. But instead, it, in this, it's this weird tentacle monster that has sex with her, you know? But like, the like okay, so, so that's the thing about this movie, right? Everything is like top-notch quality. The acting is top-notch quality. The stunt work is top-notch quality. The cinematography is so great. Even the creature in this movie from 1981 yeah. is like really really good and in search of darkness they talk about who made the creature right isn't it someone that made like uh, the yeah i it, it's it's a fairly prominent like creature effects person from the early 80s it's not your rick baker's rob Botines. it's it, it's an italian um uh, oh god yep, there goes the cat <laughs> Uh, it, it's an. I think it's an Italian uh, effects creature effects uh, maker, and it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you don't see it very often. You don't see a lot of it, but what you do see is pretty great. Yeah. And the other thing that's awesome in this movie is the score. The score is fantastic in this movie. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's just. It is one of those movies that is. It's one of those, it's a great movie that happens to also be a horror movie. You know, horror is one of those genres where it's very easy. It's very easy for people to, you know, say, oh, yeah, it's good for a horror movie. Well, this is, just happens to be a great movie that is a horror movie. Right, right. Yeah, because it's it's weird. Like, you could take out any kind of supernatural elements and maybe even some of the over-the-top weird stuff, and it would just be a really good film about that kind of crazed, angered feeling that you can have. Yeah. Like, Sam there's, Neer- a cut, there's a cut of this movie that's a 90-minute drama. Like, like, you can make an argument that, like, a movie like Marriage Story yes. is inspired by this, because that's some of the best acting that I've ever seen in a movie also. And... Maybe, maybe it's like, it's the, that idea of just, you know, divorce and, you know, something that nobody goes into a marriage planning on it ending. Yeah. And for, you know, for that to end is, you know, it's, it's a harrowing experience. Yeah. And the, that when you're acting that, I guess it, it brings out like the beast in people. Adam yeah. Driver, that there's there's a, a, a 10 minute sequence of marriage story that is I had to pause the movie because I was just like, oh yeah. This yeah. the scene where he's like pounding the wall, uh, yeah. like screaming at her. Yeah. And she and Scarlett Johansson is is amazing in that movie too. Uh but like there's a world where uh the director of Marriage Story saw this and was like, okay, let's do that. No tentacle monster, no tentacle sex, um, and no, um, you know, bizarre kung fu movements from our lover character. Yes. But we're still going to do that, like, 
divorce drama and and, and it works you know yes and and the weird thing is there's also a world where this guy that makes content for Pornhub looked at that movie and he's like okay just tentacle monster just tentacle sex and no drama <laughs> yes so uh, married men, folks. yeah 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 no but like okay I, I know i keep harping on this but like in my life you know i've had a couple of different girlfriends and i know at least once like that feeling of sort of being replaced by another guy right i mean i was broken up with the person but it was like real soon they got with someone else and sam neil like perfectly encapsulates that he goes from like super rage to like kind of being this pathetic guy that'll do anything to get her back. And it goes back and forth. There's times when you're sympathetic to him. There's times when you're sympathetic to Anna. And um, I just, I really have not seen a movie capture that so well as this has. So, I mean, if you guys haven't seen this movie and you're just watching our video, I mean, please go watch it on Shutter right now. But uh, yeah, as far as like our In Search of Darkness movies, um, like we said, Danny said in the beginning of the video, we're going to try to find the gems that they mentioned throughout the documentary, this five hour plus documentary and pick the ones we want to watch and then we'll cover them and hopefully with some special guests too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you want to go ahead and tell them about our in search of darkness video that we're going to watch or that we're going to make? Well, I mean, we, we've invited a few of our friends who have shown up on our channel before um, and we're, we're trying to get like, uh, at least a few to kind of pop in and out and, and talk about what they liked, what movies, uh, from In Search of Darkness they saw or what they didn't see and what they're looking forward to watching. Um, you know, I, for me, of all of the David Weiner documentaries that we've watched In Search of Darkness is one, two, and three In Search of Tomorrow this is probably my favorite one yeah because it's the first time where i feel like a novice horror fan where like i i frantically with a notebook copied down every movie that was listed yeah for every year of the 1980s and i like i said earlier i had not seen many of these and i had never heard of some of these yeah. Um, and I remember when we interviewed David about In Search of Darkness 3, he had said that he was like really excited about Oliver Stone's The Hand. The Hand and I remember yeah. seeing, and I'm like, Oliver Stone, Oscar winning director of Platoon, uh, Oscar nominated director of uh, JFK. JFK and uh, Born on the Fourth of July. And his like, one of his first movies was uh, A Severed Hand. Uh, not only that, Michael Caine's severed hand is like going after people. And I'm like, I, I never even heard of this movie. And it's Oliver Stone, Michael Caine. And I like, I can't wait to check some of this stuff out. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, and I thought that, you know, I also finished watching this a day before. I, I don't want to get too deep into In Search of Darkness 3, but I also finished watching it the day before the Grammys. And I don't watch the Grammys, but uh, Sam Smith's whole dress is the devil. All I saw on Twitter the next day was like the far right talking about how, you know, Satan is coming for your children. And I'm like, holy shit, we're back in the early 1980s. And there's a, there's a, officially a satanic panic again. 
So I, I can't wait to go deeper into In Search of Darkness 3 with you and with uh, any of our guests that join us. Um, I'm also super excited. You just put out part one of our top 10 for 2022. Uh, you took an hour and 35 minutes of recording and you uh, meticulously edited, edited it down to about 35, 36 minutes. Uh, we go through our numbers 10 through 6, and very soon our numbers 5 through 1 are going to be out. I'm assuming it'll be another shorter 35 to 40-minute video that you can watch on your car ride home or listen wow. on your car ride home. But we had a blast making that. 2022 was a great year for horror, and there's there's a ton of stuff coming up. Uh, Joe Bub has a special this Friday. Uh, I'm really excited uh, because it's Valentine's Day and I have a feeling that they're going to be playing Necromantic. Uh, those movies, which again, those are video nasties that I've never seen. Those are being uh, put up on Shudder very soon. And I, I got a feeling, you know, Necromantic, uh, Valentine's Day Joe Bob special, it just kind of feels right. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to jumping into some of these 80s movies with you that I've never seen or heard of. Devil's Fetus, maybe? Who knows? <laughs> if we could find Devil's Fetus anywhere, we should try to watch that. Hell yeah, man. I uh, really liked the the foreign horror that they talk about in, in Search of Darkness. I, I don't want to give it away because we're going to talk about all this shit in our Search of Darkness video. But yeah, I was super excited about that. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of movies on there that I, I haven't seen. Like we were saying before, I, I've only seen like three movies, and I'm up to 1987 right now. So, you know, it's fucking crazy. But, yeah, so we got a lot of content coming your way from the Laster cast. If you guys have not subscribed and you enjoyed this video, please do subscribe. I would love to hear if you guys have seen Possession and what you think about the movie. But otherwise, we will be around uh, next week for our In Search of Darkness review. In Search of Darkness 3 review. 